0: Good morning church. So I want to share with you a bike story. I was probably in, it was before I was five or six. My dad had bought me this brand new bike. I was living in the east side of San Jose near uh, White and McKee. And um, I uh, left my bike out in front of our townhouse and I went to go inside probably get some rice or to eat and I went in and when I came back out to look for my bike it was was gone. You know my dad as an immigrant coming to um, America he was a refugee from Vietnam fought for the South Earth Republic of Vietnam and my mom came on a boat through another boat um, we didn't have much and so having my bike stolen or for me really misplacing my bike and having it stolen um, it was terrible and I didn't really know how to respond to my parents about this act that I did to kinda misuse their funds. I'm the oldest out of four and so um, it wasn't a good start to that day I, I clearly clearly remember. So for you what is that burden that you have. For me at that young age it was this burden of having this bike stolen that was definitely my my fault. So for some of you maybe you are in middle school or high school. Some of you you are transferring to a new school or a new job. Some of you you are a parent or for some of you you're in the season of just this stage of your life of your career where you're at. And so what are some burdens right now that you have? You see burdens are, they don't have a certain color or shape or size. They don't really have a certain tribe or a color or social economic background. Tri- burdens are kind of, you know, it's given to anyone and everybody. Uh, recently, um, I started this job in Oakland called Harbor House Ministries in Oakland. And At the stop sign on 14th Avenue, there is, um, there is a gentleman who is transient. Uh, some of you might call homeless. Some of you might call... Um, in a place where they're in a season of life that they're asking for money. Um, And you know that you're also in the Bay Area is that when you have transient people asking for for donations or money and they have a cell phone on them and this person's using the cell phone on them. And so for me, what I try to do in the Bay Area is that when someone is at a street corner or a light, I want to engage by actually looking in their eyes and just acknowledging them. And just, if I don't want to give anything, then I could just say hello and wave. And this person it's acknowledging them and I wrote my window down and I say good morning how are you and this person said to me he says thank you for not ignoring me thank you for actually engaging with me you see burdens for you I don't know what they are it could be a bike it could be a hello in the morning it could be that you don't want to engage in other people because they have burdens too so what is it so what is so what is a burden so this is what a burden is a burden is this a burden is something that we carry that is maybe a worry or a sadness, or a responsibility that you have that is burdening you. Maybe you um, have a different terminology of what burden is, but that's the terminology of what it is. So full stop, what is a burden? Now, according to the American Psychology Association, the APA, it says that about 8 out of 10 people, about 78% of people, are stressing about COVID right now. And about 7 out of 10 people are, or or during this pandemic is that they're even more stressed to say that they're stressed about the pandemic in the pandemic, so they're stressed about stress. So on top of that, within this kind of, uh, I would say, uh, percentage, about one every five adults, and you're all here, and if you're in high school, you're considered an adult, says that mental health is at the worst than it was prior to the pandemic. And so, One in five. So it means that one every five American is at an all-time high for mental health. Now, we're going to go ahead and break this down even more. So you're like, okay, so one in five, what's the age demographic? So I'm going to give you a demographic, okay? So Gen Zs. Gen Zs are you're 18 to 23, okay? It says about 6 out of 10 of you that you're stressed about the pandemic. So about 34% of you, okay? Now millennials. I'm a millennial. I'm like stuck in between. I'm like turning 40 so I'm not a gen X about millennial so for the longest time I didn't know that millennials are actually gen y Gen ys are about five out of six five, 5, 5 out of ten about 90 percent of you are are stressed about mental health okay now gen X if you're like 42 to 55 you're about five out of 10 to 5.2 about twenty percent of you about have mental health now boomers if you're 56 to 74, the numbers drop lower. About 4 out of 10 that you're stressed, about 12% of you are kind of stressed. Now, if you're you're an older adult, that means that you're 75 and over. Only 3.3 out of 10 are stressed about mental health. It means that only 8% of you. Now, the reason why it's interesting as as the numbers go down, the way I see it is that the older you are, you have experienced burdens way beyond a Gen X, a Gen Y, a Gen Z, for sure. And so, in a sense, you're not as stressed. Right? But the burdens are still there. But the younger you are, the more burdens you care because you have yet experience in them. You know, I think this morning as Zola as was talking, as we sang some worship songs and some hymns, how does the Holy Spirit acknowledge you in this moment right now that some of you in this pandemic, there are burdens you're carrying that no one knows about? There are things that someone next to you or someone behind you that you haven't shared yet. And this, this word that I was going use was the Holy Spirit. This actual being that God sent this helper for you to actually acknowledge your burdens, your mental health and your wellness. It's real. Whether you are a follower of Christ right now, some of you who are a recovering follower of Christ, trying to figure out who Jesus is, some of you who are, who is Jesus? There's this, 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 this being, this, this triune God, this Holy Spirit that's helping you in this season. And I'm not going to minimize or say that your wellness is totally fine, but I'm not gonna say that you're not well. Some of you are actually thriving. But what are you, what are your burdens this morning? What where are you now in your wellness? It is so good to be here, Home of Christ. For uh, grace and peace to you. Um, my name is An Truong. This is my family. Um, you know, uh, I, I shared with you before. I'm I'm a product of refugees. I grew up here in the Bay Area. I grew up in San Jose on the East Side. My whole life I did schooling here from grade school, middle school, and high school. I uh, went to college here down to stay. I did my seminary degree here at Western Seminary. And uh, it is a joy to be here to kind of just to go with you and join with you on just the gospel. Uh, as long as I'm here, guest speaking, we'll be going through a letter to Galatia. Paul was talking to a small church, uh, much like you are in this size, and a very affluent uh, part of um, a, 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 a country or a nation that was trying to figure out what is their identity with Christ and they were filled with different tribes and colors and different ethnic backgrounds and wealth and last time we talked about serving others in Galatians 5 uh, verse 13 26 about the fruits of the spirit and this morning we're going to do the same and talk about how do we serve burdens and it sounds kind of weird uh, serving burdens, what does this mean? and we'll, we'll talk more about that but the 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 whole emphasis of this letter to Galatia was how do we live with the gospel rooted in keeping with uh, the understanding of who Jesus is. And so today, serving burdens. We'll talk about how do we serve burdens, which is key for us to be human. I mean, if you look around right here in this room, like we're all humans. I know that we have different... Uh, maybe ethnic names and where we came from and our stories and they're beautiful stories. But we're all humans at the end of the day. So, hey church, I'm gonna I'm gonna pray first as we gonna go into a time. Let's pray. Lord, what a what a beautiful time to gather these amazing colorful seats in this room that's set up for Awana games, uh, nestled in the Bay Area in the Saratoga area. Lord, we get a chance to worship you, rather it's through praise and song and verbal words. Some of us here just in our hearts right now. may you Give us an opportunity to come before you, to know that you are a God that provides. As we dive into your word, Lord, give us an, uh, give us an opportunity to, to be humans uh, to one another, to see that Father that we, we get a chance to worship you this morning, uh, put away our phones, our distraction notifications, allow our hearts to, uh, to feel some of our burdens, to acknowledge some of our mental wellness and pain, but also to take a look at some of the ways that we could praise you and glorify you, and that today is a day that we come on the Sabbath to be with you. Amen. If you have your Bibles or your uh, smartphones, turn to Galatians um, chapter six, verses one through five, and it says this. If you don't have it, I'll put on it on for you here. And it says this: it "says Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in sin." You who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. But watch yourselves, or you will also be tempted. Verse 2. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. If anyone thinks they are something when they are not, they deceive themselves. Verse 4. Each one should test their own actions, then they can... Pride themselves alone, without comparing themselves to someone else. For each one should carry their own load. Now, you probably heard this text before, and for some of you who like a different translation, NIV or the message, uh, this is NIV. Uh, this is what the text says. Okay, a, a text summary for you. All right, it says a spirit-led community matters right now because we're called upon to bear each other's burdens because the important to be part of your community is to take the truth and live it out together you see when we live our truths together we keep in step with the spirit so uh... Dietrich bonhoeffer uh, he is a, a, a pastor, a theologian, a, a martyr during world war II uh, when he was fighting literally against his own nation of germany Uh, standing up to Hitler and the regime that wanted to have uh, literally uh, not just genocide but um, this this human condition called racism by having race and class and color as a a pendulum for who should be superior to one another he was in the community that says that we are in community not because of these things that make up of our tribes, but we're in community because of our faith in Jesus Christ, not anything else. For some of you, after church today, you'll be joining uh, an amazing meal at Chipotle. Some of you, uh, who's going to be cheering on Super Bowl today for the Rams, the Bengals, I'm a Bengals fan for today. Um, for some of you, it's going to be with family that you're going to be sharing uh, still Lunar New Year as you're ending the Lunar New Year cycle, right? But Bonhoeffer says that we're in community because of Christ. And the church, we're in community here because of Christ. In general, period. So the church is wrestling with false teachers who wanted people to follow the Jewish law. Now, in the Old Testament, what I was called, uh, and some of you, you're always familiar with the Old Testament and New Testament. And, and what, what you want to do is you want to break down the Bible into these letters into really two parts. You have the Hebrew Bible, and then you have the New Testament. And here you are, you're having chosen people who are of Jewish descent who the Israelites, right, trying to follow this law. But Paul is saying, wait a minute, there's a law that I want you to follow to see from one another. And what is it? So, how do we serve burdens? By serving burdens is this how do we serve burdens means that if we're gonna serve burdens right, well in our communities, it means that we have to practice the ways of Jesus to one another. And you're like, oh this is like I heard this before. But this is the truth. If you really want to serve burdens in our community here, in your church here Home of Christ 4 in Saratoga, right? you're a bigger kingdom community outside of here, maybe you're in a your workplace, you're in tech, you're in school, or for some of you, you're actually going elsewhere. Your community is going to be a reflection of, of who Jesus is by the ways you practice Jesus. So, how do we practice the ways of Jesus? Right, right. It's very simple. These are the reasons why I practice with Jesus. like top reasons why. One, Jesus did it. Two, Jesus didn't. And three, Jesus didn't. If we want to follow Jesus, right, right we, we got to have understand that Jesus did this. He practiced the ways of His, of his Father. So there's just three common, uh, I would say, uh, understanding who Jesus is. One, I want to be with Jesus. Two, I want to become like Jesus. And three, I want to do what Jesus does. And this is how we practice the ways of Jesus is that we enamorate by not just singing songs or going through scripture, but how do we actually live it out together? And to be truthful, it's hard, church. It's, I'm no different from you with the flesh and temptations. And so, what are three takeaways from the scripture that we just read? And this is what, and this is what we're going to do. The three takeaways is that there are truths and there are lies. There are hardships and there are fake ships. And then lastly, there are humans. As humans, we have names and we have stories, but there's also bodies. We have bodies, here. we're not just bone and cells, right? We're uniquely made. And so, how do we serve burdens? So this morning, here are three ways that are preventing us from serving burdens in our own community, in our church here, your church here. You know, I get a chance to come and to guest speak to be here but you have your elders and you have people on staff, you have lay workers here that know the needs of your church here. And so, I might not be speaking directly to certain key things I would call church business or your church life, but I think these are three ways that are preventing from maybe you from serving burdens. And here's the first one, okay? The first one is that, number one, there are anti-spiritual restorations. What does that mean? So, So, anti-anything right right now is probably like the cool word to use right anti-anything is to going against anything maybe it's against like school against government mandates right against like people against politics against like certain people being cancelled i mean anti anything um it's like this like this this new push but but the really but the but the understanding of that are we really anti-spiritual restoration with each other you see, to be part of this kind of spirit-led community, it means that it's spirit-led because there's individuals are in this church, right, this community. And spiritual right restorations means that how do you actually move from sin to forgiveness? How do you move from sin to grace and mercy? So, if you're gonna have spiritual right restorations, it means that there are habits for you to actually live out and to grow and to thrive this season of life that should to be together. Now, in Galatians five thirteen, it says that it talks about how do we serve one another by doing it in love, and this love is not about a selfish love, right? It's a, it's a giving love, right? So, walking in the church together is probably one of the most hardest things that I think that for me, I thought when I came to know Jesus, when I was in high school. For me, for the longest time, uh, being part of a community that would actually check actually like, what's going on with you, to actually have reconciliation, to actually talk forgiveness, and to actually talk about your hurts and feelings, was very new to me. I grew up in an Asian household where we do not talk about feelings, where forgiveness was kind of bought, and so when my dad would uh, be really abusive to our family, to my mom, or, 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 to, our, or to my brothers and siblings, we would get a new TV. We would get a new VCR. A VCR is a video uh, you know, recorder that actually put tape in to actually play on your TV. So he would buy our forgiveness. He buy our love. And for some of you, maybe for you who grew up in your kind of diaspora home, your community as a home was kind of like, didn't talk about restoration. Didn't talk about forgiveness. Didn't talk about mercy. It was kind of done through love and like food or you just kind of swept into the carpet you didn't talk about it. But if we're going to have a community... How do you actually serve one another to be fulfilled? To actually have, like, talk about your emotions and talk about what's going on. To actually really see that forgiveness is a process, not just kind of, you know, like, since I'm forgiven, like, what's next? You know, recently I've I've found my counselor. I'm I'm currently going through therapy right now. And he said that there's two buckets right now of how we see um, forgiveness and healing. This is healing condition right now is uh, we always put forgiveness and healing in one bucket. And so you think about it, right? When you forgive someone, right? Isn't it interesting that as the being oppressed and you're, you're, you, you forgive someone, they want something more after you forgive them. Think about this. When you forgive someone, they expect something after you forgive them. Meaning means that we should be really good now. Let's have coffee and let's be best friends. Hey, since you've forgiven me, you know what? We should like be on good terms now. Let's show everybody that we're okay. But, but my my clinical therapist, counselor said that on oh, you need to separate the two because forgiveness, right, is one bucket, but the other bucket is that when you've forgiven somebody, you need to heal, and healing takes time. That's why in churches, right? What is interesting about churches when forgiveness is given the healing sometimes get kind of mangled together and people expect healing to be like this once you forgive them what i'm saying is that in churches forgiveness is biblical and is amazing and it's a gift but healing within the church takes time it takes and you know what church it could take years it could take a lifetime and here's the beauty of why in churches we should talk about this because being with jesus is a lifetime it's longevity. Can you imagine you walk into a home Christ 4 here, you get a punch card of like every time you come to church, that you fill 150 punch cards and you are a Christian for life and you, you'll you be well. No. It's for the life of you, right? That's why people that have walked through churches that are burdens, that are like older generation, that are like baby boomers, right? They've done life with Jesus for a very long time. And maybe they're not phased about, maybe one day meeting Jesus soon. For some of us, you're like, I'm like 18, 19, like I have the whole life, I'm like, I'm going to live forever. Like I'm in, I'm in tech, like, you know, like, I'm going like to freeze myself, I'm going to live forever. Like, but there's a mindset, right, of how we do that. So, sin has this kind of like system for us where it says that we should keep on sinning and not forgive and have mercy and grace. But Jesus says, look, I want you to not have an anti-spiritual, like, kind of resolutions. I want you to have spiritual resolutions within church. If we are a faith community that commits sins together, then how does it actually look like when we actually are a faith community that forgives sin and works through our messiness? You see, Galatians six one two 2 says this. It says, Brothers and sisters, if anyone is caught in sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. Does it say yell? Does it say shame them? Doesn't say put them on blast, doesn't say, can we continue to remind them? It says gently. Gently. But watch yourselves. Or you would be tempted. Carry each other's burdens in a way that you will fulfill the law of Christ. It's saying is that if you're if you don't watch yourself and you're gonna condemn this person of their sin, you're gonna sin too. You're gonna be just like them. You see, we hold these to, so key to ourselves either we fall into sin like our brothers and sisters or worse, right we're self-righteous we're so powerful we're conceited and we think that we are better than our brothers and sisters when I come up here and I get a chance to kind of speak and teach to all these different churches just because I have degrees doesn't make me any more of a person you are just because I'm in ministry it makes me any more or less more than you are and I share these things that I wrestle with whether it's counseling or things in my marriage or Things that I have with people, because I want to show you that I am no different from you. Because if I am, this is what Jesus talks about: Pharisees, right? Sadducees, right? That know the law, know the word, but yet they live a life that is not transparent. And I share this with you because you know what, church? We need to be transparent to one another. Even yes, your elders and board members and pastors, because it allows the community to be together to see we're all the same in Christ, right? This is not. This is not like a rank and file of who you are. So church, when we carry each other's burdens, the work and person of Christ becomes how He served you. This is, the way that, this is the way that Jesus comes and serves you. Because He serves you, He doesn't serve Himself. And if you give back this life to others around your community, it is so beautiful. Look, the Bible doesn't convince me that Jesus is real. If we didn't have the Bible, you know what it does? Jesus came with that on the cross. That alone in itself is a reflection that Jesus is real to me. Because of what Jesus did on the cross, that's how I know scripture is real. See, because this is factual. This is reality. Because the secular world, right, is something that it uses. It's called disorienting the truth. And more than ever right now, right, there are realities and unrealities. It means that there are truth, there's also untruth what's crazy now is that we can't even figure out what is truth and what's not truth now because the world is telling you, it's just trying to disorientate you, what is truth. If you are going to carry each other's burdens here, in a church here, you've got to follow the truth. And the truth is that you have God's Word. It's going to encourage you to seek the truth, regardless of what the world's trying to push for you to disorientate information. So, we have how do you be not anti spiritual? Right, resolutions. Right to to to, to actually to re- restore relationships. Number two, I am the best. You know, we live now in a culture now in the Bay Area where you can't you, you can definitely be the best. Um, there's a song from the Karate Kid. If some of you actually know this movie, uh, it's you know if you're watching Netflix, it's Cobra Kai and it's like long gone story of like you know of uh, Danny DeRusso and um, this one side of the story of him winning the Olive Valley Cry Champion um, and it's like this montage in 1984 and they brought it back to talk about his story and and this song is interesting and it goes like this is you are the best all around nothing's gonna st- keep you down fight until the end because your life will depend on the strength that you have inside you're gonna be proud staring down the cloud when the odds are in the game defy you try your best to win them all one day uh, one time will tell when you're gonna be the one standing there you'll reach the final bell now Cobra Klein is interesting because you see the other story that is not Daniel Russo but his quote-unquote right nemesis right for most of us we want to be the best right we go to the best schools uh, we get tutoring we get training. Some of you are in an orchestra. Some of you are in music. You're in sports, right? You're in Kumon. I didn't have any of those when I was growing up. Okay? My parents grew up in 40 when I was in San Jose. But some of you here, you provide the best for your children, and even for you are. And it's not the wrong with being the best. But there is a point when it supersedes who Christ is in you, how he made you. To not just be the best, but be who you are. And so how do we wrestle with that? Now in verse 3, it says this. For anyone who thinks that they are something... When they are not, they deceive themselves. Now here it is. When we believe in lies and and, and facts about ourselves, Satan uses these sins that drives these lies to be further about ourselves. And actually really convinces us to be, really be anti-Jesus. To be all the fruits of really the kingdom of not that's God. And I would say the the fruits of hell that that are spiritualists. I'm not saying that you can't be the best doctor or mother or student. That's what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that when you recognize that who you are in Jesus, that Jesus gives you your identity, your worth, and your value, and then you go, you go on and see what passions and gifts you do, that you do unto the Lord, because you want to do well unto Christ because of this posture to learn because you're given education. To be an amazing mother or father to your children because you have children you get influence. To be a place in your community, maybe you're working a non nonprofit, you're a doctor or you're a teacher, that you have influence over your environment to show them what are Christ's character likeness instead of world likeness of X, Y, and Z. I'm not telling you you can't be the best, but there is this really interesting kind of gray area of I'm the best to be conceited, to be I'm the best for Christ, so I want to show you what I can do with the Lord. And as a church here, I'm the best. It can lead to judging others, to be self-conceit. But it also can lead to being, I am the worst. I have confession. Let me share with you my struggles. Let me share with you my story. Let me share with you like, this facade that I have. It's not all there. Let me tell you that when you realize that it's all revealed through sin, that God can be redeemed because of your nature of who you are. So imagine these conversations you're going to have in your church and your community. It's not like, I look like I have all together, but the reality is like, this is what I'm struggling with. This is what I'm going. As a brother or sister in these community groups, in these places that you could talk about your sin, you could talk about your struggles, and say, I'm not the best, but I know who is. It's Christ. And what can He do? You know, identity in itself, right, it's, it's hard to wrestle with it. But I think in the Bay Area, when we see Christ in our identity, it really allows us to begin to like, not judge others as harshly. You see, when our image is an image of God, right, we, 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 we're reminded of like, who Christ is in us. And so for some of you, it's waking up and having the Bible on your table because it reminds you of like the Living Word. Some of you actually you what you adorn a cross on your neck and you touch it because maybe your parents gave it to you and you grew up in your faith. For some of you, right, for some of you, it's doing daily devotions. For some of you, it's listening to Air 1 on coming here. For some of you, right, it's like having spiritual mentors and people that are encouraging you. So what is it that you have that's going to remind you who Christ is? Who is it? And why? So, we have anti-spiritual, right, uh, resolutions, right? We have I'm the best, and the last one's going to be... Ourselves versus Jesus. Some of us, we think that we ourselves can do way better than Jesus, period. And some of you, I think you do way better without Jesus than you have Jesus. I mean, that's just the truth, right? When I was growing up, you know, I remember clearly one time we were having dinner with my parents, and I said, "Hey, Dad, can I can I pray for the food?" And this is what Dad said to me. He said, he said to me like very in his like Vietnamese like uh, where he says. Well God didn't give you that food. I gave you that food. So why are you praying to a God that didn't give you this food? And you know my dad like he's he's, he's short, stocky, got shot before in the war, so I'm like, I, I wasn't gonna argue with the man that you know that could probably be, you know, yeah, I said you're probably right dad And I didn't say anything I didn't I didn't and I didn't pray. You know a lot of times we forget that you know Jesus is really bigger than us. My my daughter is I have a I have a eleven year old and a six year old and I was trying to explain to them that God is God is that guy God, God created everything, that we are finite and God is infinite. And my young was like, Daddy, like, so if God created everything, like, do we get a chance to ask why? I said, Yeah, you can. But even asking why, right, is confusing because God created everything, we can never really know. And my daughter who's six, she's kinda like trying to figure out in her head, she's like, Wow. Then then it's possible that God created dinosaurs. I said, yes. I says yes, God, it's possible that God created dinosaurs. And then my oldest daughter said, then, Daddy, it is a possibility that God created dinosaurs. There's a possibility that God didn't create dinosaurs. I said, that's, that's true too, right? You know." And so it's like wrestling conflicts of like infinite and finite, right? But that's the beauty of who we are. We get to wrestle with Jesus. We get to wrestle with God. Now, verse forty-five 5 says this it says for each one should test their own actions then they can take pride themselves alone without comparing themselves to someone else for each one should carry their own load so you're like oh, this, why does this sound so counterintuitive I thought we were supposed to carry each other's burdens now or now what, what, what's going on ok so verse forty-five. to five is, if you want to explain Eugene Peterson says this beautifully in the message it says that Make a careful explanation of who you are with the work you have been given and then sink yourself in that. Don't be impressed with yourself. Don't compare yourself with others. Each of you should take responsibility for doing the creative best you can with your own life. So when you understand who you are in Christ, you take up your own burdens and you see who you are. Then from there, you're able to go ahead and to serve others right? It's like constantly wrestling, right? So what does this mean? It says that when we, when we put up walls between Jesus and us and others, we are comparing ourselves instead of actually really living out what God wants us to do in His kingdom. What it means is that there's work and there's a job. So we forget that sometimes that the work that we do, right? The work you do here, you might be blue collar, you might be a student, you might be an engineer, that is your work okay but you know what your true job is to be a disciple for Jesus for the rest of your life that will continue ongoing even until after you retire so we make disciples and we make disciples for all and like it says in Matthew 28 you're never going to retire you're retiring your regular jobs all of you have jobs at one point you're going to retire at some point maybe I think for me, I'm, I'm going to be that old person at uh, REI welcoming you in, say hello. I might be that person at, at, at Starbucks or at a Nike say hello to you. But I think I'm going to keep working. For some of you, you're going to be retired. But your job at making disciples is going to be forever. Okay? So, Jesus and us. And I think this, 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 this analogy is so true. When you look at the word Jesus, right? Do you just see Jesus... Do you see Jesus and there's us in there? Or do you see you are not part of what Jesus is doing in your life right now? So do you see that? Do you see that are you part of Jesus or are you not? As you finish this part of the scripture. You know, we one day, and I'm going to tell you a newsflash. One day we're going to pass away. Every single one of us. That 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 is that is a percent morality rate period, and you're like, okay, I I didn't come this morning to to hear about, you know, that 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 fact or or I think about it, I don't say it. But God is providing an antidote for you to see that this is not about you, it's not about being selfish, it's about knowing that where you're gonna go after here. You know, um, Trappist monks, uh, the, the desert fathers and mothers of really spirituality and, and, and really, uh, I would say, Orthodox Christianity and, 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 and who we are in Christ. Uh, Trappist monks' monastery um, that are in Europe and all over, kind of like in that western, I mean, sorry, that that, that area of Europe, um, they have a monastery. And next to the monastery where these, these Trappist monks gather every morning, they have, they walk by, um, they, they have their, their monastery next to a grave site or a cemetery. And they leave an open grave open uh, in a cemetery, like a, li- a little hole open to remind them that where they're going to be going for this body that they have, where they're going to be going. And that's kind of morbid. I mean, here in the Western world and especially in, in, in America. But what's reminding us is that we get a chance to know that where we are going, that this body that we have, is not infinite. Right, it's, it's 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 it's. I'm sorry, it's not it's not infinite because it's finite. Cause there there is gonna be a, a day and we're not gonna be here anymore. So when you actually bear one of those burdens as a as a church here, what you're really doing is that you're gonna bear your own burden later. So you're gonna to die to yourself, rather spiritually or physically. That's why in verse forty-five at the end it says that. For each of you should carry your own load, that your load will come much later. But if you're going to be a part of the community, how do you carry each other's burdens now as a church? And that is tough to swallow at times. So church, how do we serve burdens here? Now, I don't know where your burdens are and and, and what they look like. For me, growing up, my burdens were different. My burdens were wrestling with my parents' gambling addictions. It was wrestling with my dad's um, abuse to my mom physically and verbally. It was also me realizing how do I uh, wrestle with English as a second language, my stutter, and my non-confidence in who I was. For me, it was wrestling with being a uh, a refugee in the Bay Area and and being ashamed that I was getting free school lunches and that I couldn't have the things like other people that were in my school. I mean at a young age, like I didn't know that you had to wear certain undergarments because I was just wasn't taught that. So here I am in sixth grade going to gym class going, Oh, you need to actually have these garments to wear. I'm like, I hope I don't get pants today because that'd be really bad. I, there's a lot of norms and things the world doesn't teach you, right? I show you, but for me, no one taught me. But something about the beauty of like being a part of the body of Christ together here you get to wrestle with each other's burdens, and sometimes the burdens are like, hey, like, I don't, like, I'm ashamed to say it, but like, h- how do you do my taxes? Can you help me, can you, can you show me? Hey, I don't know what retirement looks like, can you, like, what is savings? For some of you, like, hey, I don't really know how to scripture, like, been growing my church my whole life, but like, what is the Holy Spirit? And like, what is a mentor and disciple? And these are things that you should be ashamed about to talk about. Hopefully, within the body of Christ, that there is no shame. That you build each other up to restore things that are not well. It's not about you, it's about others. It's really about, like, how do you point the people back to Jesus? So, how do you practice the ways of Jesus? Church, you practice the ways of Jesus by going back to Jesus. You look through scriptures over and over again. That what does Jesus do over and over and over again? He heals, he listens, he eats, he talks. He washes people's feet. He dies on the cross. He was fully human. He explores in depths of shame and, and hate and doubt. I mean, Jesus was us. I, I want to finish you the story about the bike story. Um, for the bike story, later on that week, I found my bike. Uh, except it wasn't in my possession. A group of boys have stolen my bike and they were older. I was like, you know, like in first grade, kindergarten. But when they stole my bike, they like souped it up. Different color, there's pegs on there, it was all chromed out. I was like, dang, my bike is like a lot better now. So I did what any other like four to five or first grade I I told my dad, Hey Dad, I know who has my bike. It's those group boys over there. So I go over there, I get my dad, and we go out there, and it's definitely my bike. So he like, we walk out of our condo, and he, he leaves me at a certain spot. He walks up to these boys, and I'm like, yo, I'm going to get my bike back. It's even better than before. Like, And then, for some reason why, he walks back without my bike, and then we just walk back in the house. I didn't ask him why I didn't get my bike back. I was like super perplexed, I was confused, but I never got my bike back. Uh, a couple years ago, before I got married and, and before, you know, I started really reconciling with my dad. He doesn't know Jesus. He's a, a Buddhist by nominal faith because of his, like, our culture. I'm, I'm full Vietnamese, um, he's, he's like super nominal Buddhist, but I was like, hey dad. Like, why did you give that bike to a group of boys like in that group and, and, and this is what he said. It says, "Well, they stole it. they They must have needed it more than, than you did because they took it from you and And I said, "What did you say to them?" And my dad said, "I just told them't don't, don't ever steal again." And I sat there, and my dad realized that this burden that they were doing was more than the burden that he was facing with our family. It was not really rich, but we weren't super crazy poor, but we were struggling. And he recognized that this need for others and their burdens, it matters to him too. As a refugee, as an immigrant here... Now that those boys ever not steal again, I probably think they stole again. But that reminded me of this immunity that my dad did for them, like much like you here. Do you have immunity with each other here, as a church? Are there burdens that are just so complicated that you need to see therapy, you need someone to come in and reconcile from a third party, some of you you need some time to heal and be forgiven. Because if we want to serve each other's burdens, how do we be real one another? How do we be humans to one another? My dad was human to these boys. Um, I never got my bike back. But later on, I, I was able to be okay. And I bought the same bike back for myself. Not the small one. I got bought the bigger version for myself, right? The older BMX bike. Um, but I was able to buy it back. And for some of you, what burdens are you going through right now, church? that you just need someone to know your burdens, to walk with you, to be with you, to be human with you, to show you the ways of Jesus, to practice the ways of Jesus. Because Jesus did the same things that you did and went through. The cross was not something that was very powerful, I mean, very very prideful to be in. It was a very shameful thing to be, to do. The most grueling acts of pain you to endure, but Jesus did that for you to forgive your sins so that you could be forgiven, so that you could do and be with Him. He says that if you want to become like me, you want to follow me, are you willing to take up the cross daily? And the cross is your brothers and sisters here, it's a church. You know, as, 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 as a church here of different tribes and colors, I know there are cultures sometimes it's rough. How do we respond to racial reconciliation, to politics, to the world? But I think we have a conversation about that, and how do we go about that through the scriptures? And we could definitely have such strong different views. But I think that when we continue to have views of who Jesus is on the cross, it definitely, definitely bridges gaps and barriers. It opens up keys to doorways that would never be bridged, and allows you to have at least, at least in my opinion. A couple of conversation and a coffee. For you to say, hey, this is what the gospel says. Will you want Jesus? Do you want Jesus? And it gives this peace that it's just so, it surpasses all understanding. It really does, church. I'm going to pray for us as we end. I think that we have a, a, a time of response. And so, hey, church, will you pray with me? Father, you are such a good God that provides so much. Every time we gather for. Uh, church together on the Sabbath Lord the gospel needs to be reminded and not definitely given if there are those in here that needs you Lord to be reminded that they are forgiven Lord remind them to come to you on the cross and ask for forgiveness and redemption Lord you, you forgive them if there's those here that are, are seekers and figuring out who you are as as, as Lord and as, as, as Christ and uh, really the Savior of the world may you give them insight and more conversations about who Jesus is to perhaps not make a decision for Jesus, but to ask more questions of who Jesus is, so that, Father, you may satisfy not just their, their humanly uh, hearts and souls, but, Lord, you would give them, Father, Lord, all the answers they need, Lord, to make a decision, rather, is this God real, or is he fake? And there's people here, Father, Lord, that are walking along with Jesus right now that needs you, that needs, to, that needs to hear the gospel, because the cross is real, and our salvation is so key, into not who we are without you, it's whom we are in you that we are truly satisfied, that we are accepted, and that we are forgiven, and that we that is our truest identity. Our truest identity is in you, Lord, because Father Lord, each and every one of us, Lord, is such uniquely created in your image and that we are beautiful in you. That we just sometimes forget that we are loved and we are cared. And sometimes we need to hear openly that we are fully accepted, that we are forgiven, that we need a savior, we need a king. We need a king. Lord, be with Hawk Four here in Saratoga. Give them a chance to carry each other's burdens, to not just um, recreate, not to seek full restorations, but for them to worship together as a community here to break barriers, to break pain, seek forgiveness, and to really follow to each other as humans, as brothers and sisters in Christ, because you are a good God that provides so much, Lord. Thank you for who you are. May we continue to Sabbath well on this Sabbath, may you speak to us, Lord. What I was well just saying for our time, may the Holy Spirit come and wreck us beautifully, wreck our thought patterns wreck are the way that we see ourselves wreck the way that we see the world give us truth may the Holy Spirit aid us Lord may we are just when we don't want to forgive burdens or we don't want to go through burdens we don't we're just so frustrated that we just want to indulge in sin may the helper come in and aid us Lord to take over temptations because you are such a good God we love you Lord we cherish you we value you and today we glorify you. And it's not easy, but with you, Lord, each step towards you is not, is not the 10,000 steps before that are distracting that we couldn't do it. It's 10,000 steps more forward that we again closer to you that we find the right path with you step by step. We praise you We glorify you, Lord. Amen. Hey, church. Do we have... Are we ending? That's it, brother? Are we oh, good? Yeah, I'll a more. yeah. Okay. okay, come on, brother. <laughs> you want this back? Alright, thanks, uh, I think uh, what's a little bit unique about our church and our building uh, is besides.